Good job, guys. I just want to take one moment and say how proud I am of of our seniors. A lot of you guys going off to college and how proud I am of you guys. We have some students here in our church that love the Lord and are walking in wisdom. And I'm very proud of you guys for making those decisions in your life and pray that you might continue to walk with the Lord and in his wisdom. And I know that everybody in this room joins with me in praying for you that you guys will will follow the Lord all the days of your life. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10 is where we are. It was a hot summer night in a small colonia in Acuna, Mexico. The entire village had gathered beneath the squeaky ceiling fans there in the local church, and we witnessed that night a most unusual love. A bunch of Baptists from an affluent area of Austin, Texas, had fallen in love with a bunch of charismatics from an impoverished area of Acuna, Mexico. And that night, two congregations, two languages, two cultures came together to celebrate and worship one God, one Spirit, and one love. And I remember that evening I I had the privilege of preaching. I thoroughly enjoy preaching. Uh, It's just one of the things that I love the most in life. But of all the sermons that I've ever preached, the most enjoyable one was that evening as I preached to that colonia from Acuna, Mexico. And I remember that evening thinking, "This, this is what the Bible means when it teaches us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and with all of our mind. And this is what the Bible means when in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, it tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. There is nothing more foundational to being human than to love. Two years ago, at the moment my son Bennett was born, we hugged him and embraced him because we wanted his first moments in the world to be marked by the love of his mother and his father. Whenever children are growing up and they watch these different movies, they, they, they are constantly taught what it means to love from Cinderella to Frozen, from Toy Story to Cars. They all tell the stories of love. Our culture is consumed with finding love. But now here's the problem. If you look at the culture in which we live, People are really struggling to be good at love. They're consumed with it. We sing about it. We talk about it. Our shows are about it. But people struggle. Think about some of the popular TV shows over the last 15, 20 years. Shows like Friends, Seinfeld, uh, The Big Bang Theory, The Bachelor, Modern Family. Uh, Some of the common themes in those shows, you have individuals that are trying to follow their dreams, they're living in progressive metro areas, and part of the massy or part of the frequent storylines is that they are often struggling to find love. So Jesus teaches me that if I'm going to find true love, it begins by me loving God that I am to love God with all of me. And as I understand who God is and His love for me, 
that then allows me to love my neighbor. That that is the progression of love. Culture, on the other hand, teaches me that love begins by me accepting and loving myself, and then I must find somebody else that accepts and loves me as well. Jesus teaches me that love is ultimately defined by God. In fact, the Bible says God is love. Now, love doesn't define God. God defines love. And so Jesus teaches me that real love is going to be defined by God, and it's going to require of me sacrifice. Culture teaches me that love is defined by me. I decide what love is and what it looks like, and it requires acceptance. Jesus taught that in love, two very different people come together and they persevere through difficulties, trusting in God with a hope in the reality of heaven and a timeline that touches eternity. Culture teaches that love will ultimately eliminate all differences, that in fact our struggles are created by our differences, and so love will trust in the equality of all and hopes in a world in which we live as one. In Luke 10, Jesus shares a parable that illustrates for us what real love looks like, and in doing so, he also contrasts for us what biblical real love looks like and is versus what culture often says love is. So look with me, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. It's a common parable. We've probably all heard of the parable of the good Samaritan, and that's where we are today. So Jesus took up the question. Now the question was, who is my neighbor? And he was being asked who is his neighbor by a religious person within the context of what does it mean to love? So Jesus takes up that question and he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him, beat him up and fled, leaving him half dead. Now, Jerusalem to Jericho is about a 17-mile journey. There is about a 3,000-foot elevation descent whenever you go from Jerusalem to Jericho. Because of that, if you've ever uh, gone up or down a mountain, you know that one of the ways that you manage descent or ascent is to do switchbacks. And so because of that, the road would go back and forth. It was very winding. And in the caves, in the rocks, uh, a lot of times bandits or robbers would hide. And so it was known as a very dangerous section of road. So when Jesus describes this, his audience is familiar with it. They all know that there is a lot of danger there in this journey. And so he says there is a man, he goes down this hill, and in the process of this, he falls into the hands of robbers. Now notice the state in which they leave him. They have taken his clothes, more than likely taken all the money that he has. They beat him up. In fact, they beat him so badly that they left him on the side of the road half dead. Well, in verse 31, a priest happened to be going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here's this poor man lying on the side of the road, naked, bleeding, dying. And up to him comes a priest. Now the priest was supposed to be 
caring. In fact, of all the people in the community, he would be greatly admired and he would be known for his uh, fervor towards God. And he was supposed to be a caring individual, but he was also supposed to be clean. They had a lot of elaborate ceremonies of purification. And so this priest coming from Jerusalem down to Jericho, if he were to get within about 12 feet of someone who was dying or someone who was bleeding, it would require that the priest go back to Jerusalem and spend two weeks once again purifying himself. And so he was met with a conundrum. Do I help this man who is suffering and it's going to be a hassle to me? I'm going to have to cancel my plans. I'm going to have to go back to the city and go through two more weeks of cleansing. Which one do I do? Do I remain clean or do I help him? You might say that the priest had a sanitized love. And then Jesus says a Levite also meanders down the path. Now, the Levites were descendants of Aaron from the Old Testament. They were not priests themselves, but within the social order, they were assistants or helpers to the priest. And so often they would do the dirty work around the temple. They would make sure that the rules were followed. They would make sure that everything was cleaned properly and that all the different activities were managed in a healthy way. And so because of that, the Levites were often consumed with the rules. And you might say they had somewhat of a perfectionist love. And so both the priest and the Levite find themselves confronted with real suffering. And there was a real opportunity here. There was a genuine opportunity to care. And both of them had the same reaction. They saw it and they looked away. They saw it and rather than being inconvenienced by it, rather than gazing at it, rather than trying to help, they went on to the other side of the road and they tried to avoid it. In our culture, we often create a sanitized love. Uh, we sometimes separate ourselves from reality and we try to live in this little bubble where everything is clean and neat and happy. And we have these ideas, you know, like meat comes from grocery stores uh, or uh, terrorists are misunderstood or we could end sickness and famine and suffering if everybody would just use hand sanitizer and essential oils, all those things would just go away. And so we have kind of this sanitized world in which we live, and it was a little similar it's a little similar to the world in which the priest lived. Our culture also has this perfectionist idea of love. We have this rules and regulation love in which Law defines love, and as law changes, love changes. And you also find within this rules-based love that when people don't measure up, we cast them aside. In fact, sometimes we pour down social outrage upon them to the point that they are demoralized and their lives are torn to shred. So there's moments where our sanitized, perfect, John Lennon and the Beatles imagined world collides with reality. There are mo there's moments as we go down the paths of life 
that we collide with real human suffering. ISIS, stealing, enslaving, beheading people, is a collision between our sanitized world and real human suffering. Do you understand that there are Christians around the world today that are being wrongly imprisoned, crucified, tortured because of nothing else but their belief in Jesus Christ? That is real human suffering. There is human trafficking that is taking place all throughout our world where little girls are being sold as sex slaves. That is real human suffering. When a heartbeat is terminated before it's born and the eyes and limbs and brains and livers are sold for research, there is a collision between our sanitized, perfect, rule-oriented world and the reality of suffering. And throughout life, there are, there are going to be these collisions that occur where your clean world collides with human suffering. And when that happens, there are one or two reactions. You either, first of all, deny reality and walk on the other side and say, I'm going to keep on living in my fantasy world. Or you accept reality, you live within it, and you do what you can to try to change it. Now, both the priest and the Levites lived in a world where people were really suffering. They lived in the Roman era. They were at the height of Roman dominance. People were enslaved, barbarically killed. Uh, Things were taken from you. They lived in an era where, where leprosy was rampant and where people were dying all the time, and it wasn't uncommon for children to die. In fact, if you lived beyond 50, you were an elderly person. They had a world of deep suffering. And the priest and the Levite, instead of looking at it, they created a world in which they could express their moral outrage at those who failed to wash their hands or follow the rules. And so they had created this little bubble in which they could live. Now contrast that with Jesus. Jesus not only looked at their suffering, But Jesus took on our suffering. He agonized to the point of death. And instead of bringing more hatred and more darkness into the world, Jesus brought hope to the world. How? By overcoming death so that we might live with a radical freedom that happens whenever you begin to realize that your life is not contained to the hundred-year window. Your life is eternal. In verse 33, Jesus says, but a Samaritan on his journey. Interesting conjunction. You have the priest and the Levite. Well, certainly they'll do something about it. And then Jesus says, but. Let me give you the opposite end. A Samaritan who was on his journey came up upon him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. Now, Jesus is telling this parable as a response to the question in verse 29 where the, where the religious man asked him, okay, well, who is my neighbor? He was a Jewish religious leader that was asking the question. Within the Hebrew society of that time, your neighbors were the people that were just like you. Uh, they weren't part of your own family, perhaps, 
but they were just like you. They were the same ethnicity. They lived in the same country. They had the same worldview, the same skin color. They spoke the same language. They were just like you. So in Hebrew society, the Samaritans were not your neighbor. They were only half Jewish. They lived across the geographical boundary. They worshiped differently than you did. They voted differently than you did. Within Hebrew society, the Samaritans were social outcasts. They were to be scorned. But here within the parable, the Samaritan becomes the hero. On his journey, he stops. He sees the man, and he has compassion. Now look at what he did in verse 34. He went over to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. You see, within the parable, the Samaritan teaches us about true love. Specifically, five things that I want to identify for us today. First of all, in verse 33, he teaches us that love will encounter suffering. Adversity is a part of life, and whenever you enter into a loving relationship with anyone, you're going to have to go through seasons of difficulty, seasons of suffering. It's not all just going to be romance. There's going to be times of difficulty. Secondly, he teaches us that willing, love is willing to look at the suffering. Love doesn't ignore injustice. Love doesn't ignore hurt. Love is willing to look at it, not pretend as if it doesn't exist, not walk on the other side, but look at it. And thirdly, he teaches us that love has compassion. When we see hurt, when we see suffering, we have compassion towards it. And fourth, in verses 34 and 35, he teaches us that love requires self-sacrifice and time. The Samaritan was, I'm sure, a busy person. He probably didn't have time to stop and care. He probably was not a wealthy individual. He probably didn't have the two denarii to spare to take care of him. But he took care of him. He put him on his own animal. He took him to the inn. He cared for him that evening. He left money for his care. And he said, I'm going to return and make sure that he's okay. He came up upon suffering and he did not deny it. He did not look the other way. Instead, he engaged it. And he demonstrated true love. Whenever you deny evil long enough, whenever you refuse to look at it, whenever you refuse to wrestle with the answers to it, whenever you refuse to acknowledge that there is a God and that our God shows us what love looks like and our God determines for us right and wrong and that we are created in the image of God and because of that our lives have value whenever you refuse to understand the first part of the love equation that we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, with all of us. Eventually you start developing some sort of pent-up denial you know that you should be looking at the world differently. You know that you shouldn't be walking on the other side and ignoring the realities around you. And so this denial begins to get pent up within you and it sometimes erupts in a reactive outrage. Uh, you see this in our country. Uh, every week, 
there is some issue. Next week, there'll be a new issue. There's some type of issue that comes up that, that, that in reality, if you look at it, it doesn't demand anything from us. And rarely does it really speak to the deep injustices of our world. It's usually some type of fringe issue that's out there somewhere. It doesn't demand any real sacrifice from us, but people rally around it and they pour out all the outrage that has been stored within them upon it. But in Scripture, we see that real love is a sacrifice. Real, ma- real love is not some crusade that you just yell at. Real love is a sacrifice. It demands something of you. Real love is messy. Real love is going to disturb your nice, neat little world. And Real love is costly. It takes your money. It takes your time. Sometimes it demands of you your life. Real love is what Jesus showed. Whenever he was barbarically sacrificed, whenever he was crucified, he gave all that he had to pull you and me out of the ditch. Now let me ask you this question about the parable. Whenever you look at the parable, where do you see yourself? Sometimes we say, well, I hope I'm like the good Samaritan or I hope I'm, like, I hope I'm not like the, the priest or the Levite and surely I don't want to be like the man lying alongside of the road in the ditch. If you read this parable in context, the good Samaritan is Jesus. The priest and the Levites are the religious leaders of the day, the people that thought that they were righteous in and of their own behavior. And the man lying alongside of the road in the ditch dying is you and me. And Jesus demonstrates his love in this way, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. That he took on our suffering so that he might pull us out of the ditch. That's real love. And when you see real love demonstrated, you either embrace it or you deny it. And Jesus tells us, don't turn your head. Don't walk on the other side of the street. Look into your own heart. If you do an investigation into your own heart, you're going to find darkness. You're going to find areas of your soul that you're not comfortable with. You're going to find attitudes and behaviors and beliefs that you don't like. You're going to find some darkness in your heart that is saturated by sin. So he says, look into your heart and then contrast that by looking up to my cross. In our hearts we find sin. In his cross we find love. And the cross is a collision between sin and love. And aren't you glad that God refused to deny or look the other way when it comes to your sin? Instead, he took it on. And so if you're ever going to really experience true love in your life, you've got to quit denying the reality of sin. Your own sin. And then you've also got to quit denying the reality that within this world in which we live, people are suffering and hurting because it is broken. Because the sins of our fathers, the sins of our forefathers, and the sins of ourselves have left us with a creation that is screaming for the redemption of God. You have to embrace the Savior who died for you. And one of the most remarkable things about Christianity is that it's not just behavior modification. 
Christianity takes root within your heart. It transforms you from the inside out. Jesus says all things become new. He creates within you a new heart. And so you begin seeing the world differently because you are a new person in Christ. And so you begin seeing the hurts around you and you begin understanding that the love God has extended to you should be extended to others as well. And instead of looking the other way and denying it, walking on the other side of the street and pretending to have outrage at things that don't really matter, you begin looking at the suffering and looking at the hurting and realizing that you have an answer to the suffering of those around you. Well, in verse 36, Jesus asks this question. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the man said, the one who showed mercy to him. And then Jesus said, go and do the same. Get out of here. Go and do the same. The love that you have has to go beyond yourself. That's the fifth lesson. In Jesus' teaching, there is a tension that real love has. I call it the tension of compliment. And if you break down the teachings of Jesus, you see this tension of compliment throughout. You have a husband and wife. You have a parent and child. You have a family and a neighbor. You have a friend and an enemy. And you have this tension of compliment that is within real love. Perhaps the best illustration of the compliment and the tension thereof is in marriage. Marriage forces me to cross the gap of gender, a man and a woman. Marriage forces me to cross the, cross the gap of family. I leave my family and I marry someone from a different family. It forces me to cross the gap of individualism, to become one, and no longer do we live our lives independently of each other. Marriage forces me to cross the gap of personality. How many of you are married to someone that's a lot different than you? Yeah. How many of you realize that there's a difference between men and women? Yeah, yeah. How many of you realize that, that the family that you grew up in is different than the family that the person that you're married to grew up in? Yeah. How many of you realize that whenever you get married, you no longer live life as a single person, just an individual, but now you're, you're like married? You realize that? Yeah. That's the, co- the, the tension, the, comp- the, 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 the complement of tension that's in marriage. And that's part of what makes love real because real love forces you to go beyond yourself and to go and do the same. To love people that are not like you, to love your neighbor. And so as I was putting together this sermon, I, I asked myself, what is my prayer for the church today? And here is my prayer for you today. That you will experience something that you've been wanting since the moment you were born that you will experience in your life what it means to give and to receive true love. And as I pray that prayer, there's also a deep concern because my concern is that you will never experience true love because you'll fall in love with the culture instead of falling in love with our Lord. And for us to experience the riches of God's love, we must first of all learn to love Him more. 
because it's not until, until we totally love our Lord that we're able to be transformed to totally love others. And so Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Well, there we were in Acuna, Mexico, preached the service. The Spirit was thick amongst us that night. A couple people came to know Christ as Savior. There was a great time of prayer. And then afterwards, the people from the Colonia cooked us a meal. It was primitive the way that they cooked, and we sat along the streets, the dusty streets, and we ate together. And it was this beautiful marriage. where we loved our neighbor. It was mutual. And it was one of those moments where we looked upon real love. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please? Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. If there's anything that I may pray with you about today, I'll be here at the front. We also open our altar today. If you'd like to come and pray at the front, you may. Feel free to do so. If today you need to make a decision, a decision for salvation, whatever that might be, I would love to talk to you about that, encourage you in that decision. The worship team is going to come, lead us in a hymn, and I encourage you to sing with them, respond to the Holy Spirit however He leads, whether that is to sing, pray, Write out some thoughts, whatever it might be that He leads you to do. Just respond to the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank You for who You are, and we pray, Lord, that we might love You more each and every day. I pray, Father, that church will not simply be something that we attend, but I pray, Father, that we might truly be followers of Christ that love You and serve You wherever we are. We pray, Lord, that as we go down through the paths of life and we come across suffering and hurt, that we will not look away, but instead that we will bring love into the situation. Pray, Father, that you'll help us not to be confused. Help us, Lord, not to embrace those things which look like love and scorn that which really is love. Instead, help us, Lord, to embrace you and to realize that whenever we see you, we see love. And so, Father, may we live in that truth, serve in that truth, And be transformed by that truth. Shake our hearts, Lord. Make us new creations in you. Help us not to be satisfied. Help us, Lord, to be poured out. So that our life is used for your glory. In Jesus' name.